How do I say hello to people? Like, hello, welcome to the Making Art Work podcast. Um, and I've forgotten completely what I'm going to say. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Making Art Work podcast. On today's episode, we have yet another special live interview for Red Stylo Media to promote their upcoming anthology, What Fresh Hell Is This? A comic anthology inspired by the tale of Dante's Inferno. This was recorded last week with uh, Genevieve Trainer, the editor on the book, and I just wanted to say a couple of things up top before we uh, get to the interview. First and foremost, uh, this episode was recorded live and Genevieve was calling in from a hotel, so at times the connection was less than optimal. Uh, I've done the best I can to clean things up, but you may find a spot here or there uh, where it might be a little hard to understand what she's saying. Um, but I assure you, if you can bear with us for the first few minutes of the podcast, uh, quality gets a lot better. <laughs> so uh, apologies in advance for that. I'd also like to say up top for our more impatient listeners who might not make it to the end of this interview, that if you're a writer or an artist who's interested in submitting your work for consideration in this project, you can go to redstylo.com and click the link at the top of the page to find the form that you can fill out to have your work considered for this book. So now that we have all that nonsense out of the way, let's get right into the interview with Genevieve Trainer. Thank you. Uh, we're sitting here once again with Genevieve Trainer. I'm going to try not to be French the entire time, but I make no <laughs> promises. Uh, to talk uh, to talk with her uh, specifically about the open call for Red Stylo's newest comic anthology, What Fresh Hell Is This? Inspired by Dante's Inferno, the Divine Comedy, right? That's the, is it Divine Comedy first, Dante's Inferno, or is it Dante's Inferno, Divine Comedy? I can't ever remember the way that goes. That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure of <laughs> I, I, well, I would have to look it up. You're, you're the I, boss of this thing. You should know these things. Come on. I'm not what the are we boss of Dante. <laughs> what are we <laughs> what are we not paying you for? <laughs> um, similar I mean, I to assume that it would I would assume that it would be divine comedy first, then Inferno, because that's I mean the the larger comes before the Well, it's Dante's <laughs> Inferno. Right? Like I, I, I always thought I think it's Dante's Inferno, the divine or a or the divine comedy. It's kind of like Frankenstein, where it's like Frankenstein, the modern Prometheus. Um, well, but that's a subtitle. But divine comedy is is a larger category. There's three parts of the divine comedy: the Inferno, the Purgatorio, and oh, the parody. Oh, I don't know that. See, I've never read any of this, so I only know about what I've read in like passing. Um. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, this is not the first time we've had you on this show live. Uh, we had you on uh, roughly a year or so ago. Um, it's like a spooky story. It's like, and she was on the show one year ago today. Um, we had you on uh, for the last uh, anthology, which was the, that was the first time you did anything with Red Style Media was on the Jekyll and Hyde anthology. Correct. Okay. Um, and you weren't. Because this time you're leading the charge on this book. You weren't necessarily the the, the head honcho on the last one. You were you were one of uh, a handful of editors. Um, yes, I was a peon. But uh, <clears throat> we uh, so so this year <laughs> you you've proven yourself so well. This year uh, we they've given you your own book to do. So 
Now, uh, one of the one of the things I wanted to start off leading into this, because uh, we did talk to you last time, and you can go hear that episode if you're interested. Um, we talked with you a little bit about how you got into writing and editing and, and the, where you're at right now. Um, but was was um, was Jekyll and Hyde the first time you were you were like, uh, you know, like like kind of in charge on putting a book together? In that sense, yes. Um, in in terms of story selection and things like that, yes. Uh, for comics, that would be the case. Um, so I had done similar things. Uh, I mean, my my friends and I ran a, a poetry magazine for about a year and a half. <laughs> was that like a um, high school thing or, or college where I thing? Or to enjoy judging people. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? What, is it learning to judge people? Learning to enjoy judging people? I thought that just came naturally to everybody. Maybe that's just oh, me. Oh no, no. It's. I mean, for me, it was a learning curve. I. I used to think of myself as a kind person until I sat there and read some <laughs> truly atrocious poetry and could not help myself from. I. I suffice to say, I'm not a very nice person. <laughs> and that was a, a mind blowing. Uh, Revelation. Who would have thought that getting into writing and editing would reveal the darkness within yourself? Um, I think everybody. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't writing reveal the darkness within everybody? So, uh, so uh, okay. So you would you you learned early on in uh, projects of your own that you are an inherently evil person. Um, but how did that evil then translate into working on a book last year that was half evil, half not evil? Well, I I gravitated towards the evil side. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, generally, I, I, I don't want to be terrifying anyone who happens to be listening and <laughs> hoping to be treated with kindness uh, <laughs> throughout this process. I, I love editing because I love um, perfecting things, mm -hmm. and I am I'm very much a perfectionist myself. Uh, but when when I write my own things, that turns into a terrible feedback loop <laughs> of self-hatred. Yeah. Uh, whereas <clears throat> when I edit other people's things, it turns into um, a, a more beautiful, blossomy thing where we improve each other. Yeah, well, I think uh, collaboration always definitely adds that because you're, you're getting more voices on a project than just one person's, uh, you know, um, ideas or whatever. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> it, it, you know, it, it is important to, I, I like that you brought this up because going into this, cause this whole thing is about explaining, um, what you're looking for and, and basically giving people insight into the new pitch that we're, that you're taking for the new book. Um, and it is important to leave your ego at the doorstep when you're, submitting work for any kind of thing, particularly creatively, because you're going to get criticism. You're going to get feedback that is, is, is going to maybe, uh, shake you to your very core and you need to, there, there's an art in learning how to take criticism, uh, whether it be constructive criticism or just nasty criticism, like take that criticism and use it, uh, wisely. And, uh, you know, I think that's what really makes or breaks like that, that that's the thing that can set the people apart you know professionals from the amateurs it's like are you capable of taking criticism and not taking it her personally um and if you can then then you definitely can make it in a creative career so keep that in mind everybody who submits i was just gonna say i don't think that there's any feedback that you could ever get that won't make your work better um, yeah. even if it's the worst feedback in the world from from horrible unkind people 
there's nothing that you can't take and use it to make your work better. And I think that's the greatest lesson that any artist can learn. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping the answer to this question is yes and very positive. But uh, I was going to say, um, do you feel like uh, working uh, with the team last year on the Jekyll and Hyde story uh, book has really prepared you for uh, the gauntlet you now face in handling and, and, and captaining your own book this year? Or are you terrified? Well, yes and yes. <laughs> this is the moment of, of vulnerability. I do feel that I have that I have been prepared and uh, the experience with Jekyll and Hyde was a very positive, supportive, nurturing experience, et cetera, et cetera, educational. Uh, but of course I'm terrified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think any creative project I, for myself, I believe in bringing fear to creativity. I think it's mm -hmm. uh, driving and useful yeah. uh, as, as long as you can avoid having it be having it like cripple you. you yeah you know they say if you're if you're not afraid you're not doing it right um right yeah it comes from a uh, a place of of experience with singing and acting where um we're very in a very physical visceral sense that fear is, is it's in your gut and if you can focus it it improves your performance because it forces you to ground yourself and center yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, Enrique Jang, the, uh, the, the head of Red Stylo Media, has, uh, has said uh, in the message that, of course, it was a good experience last year. That's how we trap you. Um, so this last question about last year before we move on to what we're doing this year. But uh, what do you feel like some of the most important things you learned last year on that project were? I learned a lot about... Um, I would say about like the, the technical process uh, it was definitely a, a steep learning curve for me. Um, the, the, the way that the art especially works uh, and, and just, just the way that things are and the, you know, the, the requirements <laughs> uh, for that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I work a lot more frequently with writers and there's a different, um, a different language that you have to learn to speak with artists to mm -hmm. to make yourself understood let's move into the reason why everybody's here is uh let's talk about the what fresh hell is this the newest anthology from red stylo media Ooh. um so uh just to uh let everybody know so um the, the, the new anthology is uh, it's in the same tradition as all the other Red Stylo anthologies. It's a collection of comic stories that are inspired by, but not adaptations of, the source material. In this case, as we discussed at the beginning of this, uh, Dante's Inferno, uh, a divine comedy, however those titles go together. Um, and so in this, uh, we're, we're looking for people to really embrace their inner devil, their inner demon, and... Uh, Give us stories. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Genevieve, you'd be able to explain a little bit better what you're looking for. But uh, as far as I'm, I'm aware, uh, we'll be looking for stories uh, that kind of fit with the the themes of. Because I mean, you've got Dante's Inferno uh, lends itself very well to like a collection because you've literally got like nine la levels of hell that he travels through. Um, with each one has its own special fun theme. It's like a really weird version of Disney World. Um, 
you know, so that that lends itself yeah. to like, you know, here's a story based on this level. So is that uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but is that the kind of is that the kind of direction the book is going to be going in? Yes, that is that is definitely the goal. Um, and I'm also interested in having a pitch for the through story um, following the same theme of, of Dante and Virgil. I want a, a through, through story that will that will sort of weave itself between each of the circles of hell, uh, where where there's a host, if you will, who's taking the reader through the experience. Essentially, stories based on the different levels of hell uh, in the book, um, but then also you're looking for an overarching story that would be like the framing piece for the book that sort of sets up for each one of these stories, uh, similar to what Red Stylo did for other titles such as um, Frankenstein, uh, Unfashioned Creatures, and um, uh, what was another? Oh, and uh, The Strip, of course. Yeah. Um, so now, uh, specifically, like what what kind of themes and, and and things are you hoping to get for this? Are we are we looking to keep this book kind of in the realm of evil and horror, or are you really open to all kinds of genres? And, and there are there are there any overarching like ideas or concepts that you're you're particularly hoping to to get? <clears throat> well, I'm. I mean, I'm a huge fan of horror, especially in comics. Uh, but I don't think that that. But that necessarily, I don't think that's necessary here. I think that there's a wide variety of ideas that can be explored. And I mean, even as Dante explores hell, there's, there's as much education in empathy as there is in horror. <laughs> um, there's surprising, surprising places where he finds common ground with the people there and where he acts on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily, I mean, that's not antithetical to horror, but, uh, but I think that there's a lot else that can be explored. I, I, I think that it, it'll depend on, on the pitch and, and what the author has to say. Yeah. Well, we've seen a lot of, um, you know, horror. There's a lot of horror uh, content out there that combines with, I mean, horror is interesting because it combines with everything. I mean, it combines very well with comedy. We've seen a lot of that in, in uh, media. Um, and it, I actually heard a thing, I don't remember where, but uh, somebody, uh, something I was listening to had said that uh, essentially horror is just drama with monsters, uh, which is absolutely uh -huh. true. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people kind of forget that uh, they just opt for uh, scary stuff. Um, but then it also, you know, there, there should be an element. I mean, you do have to like, I'll, I'll give my own bit of advice to anybody who's looking to write a story. If you're looking to do straight horror, um, you know, there is obviously the suspension of disbelief, but, uh, you know, it, you still need to have some like semblance of knowing what, like, of, of like sense, like a, a reality or, or some kind of like intrinsic, uh, universe, or something like that, where it kind of makes sense. I know uh, I've been talking a lot with my wife recently about that new Netflix film, Bird Bird Box, that everybody's raving about. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's, in, it's encouraging teenagers to put on blindfolds and drive cars into trees. <laughs> yes. Um, because yes. we're smart in America. But uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but from what my wife's told me, and I'm, I'm planning on watching it this weekend, from what my wife's told me, it's, it, it sort of doesn't really make much sense uh, and there's not a whole lot of, I mean, again, I haven't seen it, but, uh, from what I've heard too, from not just from her, but it, it seems to just be like 
horror for horror's sake without any intrinsic uh what's the word i'm trying to think of i'm so good with words uh but any intrinsic Humanity? like logic to it no logic like there's um, no intrinsic logic like you know it's this idea that like there are things that exist and they've taken over the world and if you look at them it, they make you want to kill yourself but there's no explanation as to why or how but specifically mm -hmm. why like why why would looking at this thing you know, and unless it's like, you know, it's turns out like if it's a twist and it's like the Shyamalan twist, it turns out it's like John Goodman naked. Like that would make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, keep that. Especially in mind. if what you were looking at was a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I've always said my biggest bit of advice is, is uh, regardless of what you're writing, if there's something in there like you, you need to under as the writer, you need to understand everything that's in the universe that you've created uh, even if you don't tell the audience, you still mm -hmm. need to know why. Um, yeah. but let's, uh, let's take it back a little bit. Cause I do realize we probably should have gone a little bit more into, um, um, and hopefully I'm not giving you a gotcha question. I hope you've done your homework. Um, but can you give uh, the audience a little bit of a synopsis about what actually happens in Dante's Inferno? So a poet is out walking in the evening and suddenly gets turned around and finds himself in hell. And, uh, and <laughs> what do you do? Take a left turn at Albuquerque or something? <laughs> it's, it's very unclear. He's like, I'm, I'm in the woods and it was dark. And, and oh man, dark. Wait, wait, wait. imagine if like Chuck Jones did a Looney Tunes cartoon where Bugs Bunny winds up in hell. <laughs> I, I just, that would be hilarious. I knew I should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> Well, um, the, he, he meets his idol, uh, which is, which is one thing that, that I find, uh, that I find interesting, um, for the frame narrative, uh, he meets his idol and his idol is his guide through hell. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's got this, this special boon on him from, from on high, from, from his beloved, uh, allowing him to take this journey. Um, and he, they, they travel through and they meet some resistance and they meet a whole bunch of, uh, of people, many of whom he recognizes. Um, and along the way they, they tell him their stories, uh, how they got there, why they're there, uh, etc. And, um, <laughs> And, uh, and he eventually gets to encounter Satan himself um, at the very center, um, and and then at the very end he emerges again on the uh, the morning of Easter Sunday. Which uh, one one thing that I want to talk about momentarily is is the place of religion in the book, mm -hmm. um, but. And, and but yes, he he eventually reemerges. Um, the the thing that I wanted to mention with regards to religion is that it's so fascinating to me that this this book is very Christian and has been integrated into Christian mythology very thoroughly, but it's also very Roman, you know, and and ancient, and it sort of ties those two traditions together. Yeah, and. One thing that I would love to see from pitches and from stories is people tying their own traditions together, if that makes sense. You know, like if, if someone is, is coming from 
a Christian faith background, but maybe their personal uh, family history is is Celtic or African or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, using using those means to to build the mythology of their piece of the story. You know, uh, that that's something that I would really love to see. Um, because because that that seamless integration that that almost uh, overlooked integration is so key to this to this book the way that the two play off of each other um, and I I think it would be I, I think that people need to know where they're coming from they need to really explore their their own history and and figure out how that ties into what they want to say mm-hmm. about whatever circle they're pitching for. Okay. Well, do you mean something kind of in the, in the sense of like comparing essentially where you come from traditionally, uh, with where you find yourself in the present day kind of thing? Like, like if you like reconciling the idea of like, you know, say your family, you have like a, you know, your, your, grandparents were like immigrants and they came to this country and and so you grew up with a lot of like old old world traditions but you know which you still have but also like you live in the modern day and so the idea of like reconciling these modern day beliefs with the old school ideas or uh something like that kind of thing or that's not necessarily what i meant well that's not necessarily what i meant but i think that that is something that's going to have to come Mm -hmm. to the fore anyway because because these circles of hell aren't the same things that we think are evil yeah. now <clears throat> you know well, yeah and and I'm, I'm not interested in seeing you know like the creation of a new circle of hell but i do want to see ways in which these circles can be um can be interpreted mm-hmm yeah, that like with modern interpretations. Now. Like uh, if I were to riff one off the top of my head, it would be like you've got gluttony is a level of hell in this story. Um, but like if you want to take it from modern day, uh, it would be like the the ring of fast food or something like that, where it's just like you have to eat like McDonald's salads for the rest of eternity. <laughs> it does sound like hell. Um. <laughs> <laughs> or or like it's it's the ring of it's the ring of fast food and it's just all the chicken McNuggets you can eat for the rest of eternity, but no Szechuan sauce or, or any kind of sauce. <laughs> you just get the nuggets or like burgers with no ketchup, like that kind of thing. I, don't know, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I will say that I'm very unlikely to include more than one or two straight humor stories <laughs> in the anthology. I do love comedy and I think there's, a great place for it, but I think it needs to be touches. <laughs> what about like a touches. dark comedy where they drag <laughs> like this, uh, I don't know, kind of take a, uh, take a, a, a page out of the, the, um, the old, the old film and the remake of uh, little shop of horrors where it's a, it's a masochist who gets taken to hell and they try to torture him on every level, but he just enjoys it. He's just having a great time. <laughs> and, it's, and then it becomes hell for the demons. It's like, with this isn't working on this guy. <laughs> I, I I will definitely consider pitches that include like, the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, and it's like now now we will have you burn in the lake of fire, and they turn around, and he's like already in like a speedo, like running off the diving <laughs> board, like woohoo! 
Um, but almost it's kind of like the idea of like, you know, modern day society and what we're seeing right now where we have this modern day society, but then we have this, this strain of people who are trying desperately to like pull us back into like an old fashioned way of living and like how those two things clash and don't work together. I don't know, maybe something like that fits in with what you were talking about. That, that could definitely be elements of it. Um, I, I am someone who tends toward the political myself um but i don't know that um again with comedy i think that the book will benefit if there are touches and yeah, not, not overtly but the kind of thing yeah. where, like after the fact you can read into it sure or i mean even if it is overt as long as it's like you know one story not five stories oh okay so yeah. like like they literally could have a story where they get to see satan and it's literally like donald trump or somebody <laughs> I, I don't know surrounded I don't by know if he's, I would, uh... he's not encased in ice he's encased in a lake of hamburgers ham hamburgers <laughs> hamburgers hamburgers um they, they would actually be hamburgers and he would be very confused he'd be like what is this food um anyway Enrique's <laughs> <laughs> concerned that we're going to get protested That's by fine. me saying that i don't want too much politics <laughs> but i'm saying we do no. um <laughs> Mm. Uh, so is is that is there anything else uh, story wise or anything that that you wanted to point out in terms of of uh, themes from the book itself or? Well, there's one um, there's there's one line that that really jumps out at me um, that I'd like people to be thinking about. Um, at one point, there's uh, when. when when they're in the area where the the sinners have been turned into plants and Virgil has to, to prove to him that, that it's a person, Virgil yeah. has him break a, a twig off of the plant and the plant's like, what the crap are you doing to me? Is that <laughs> what it literally says? And spaketh the plant, what the crap are you doing to me? Translation, when I pretend to know Italian, <laughs> I will translate it again and that's what it will say. Um, but no, it, it, it's very upset and Virgil says to, to, it, says to him, he says, Tell him who you were. He can make it up to you. He'll remind the world you were once in it and make you famous. He's going back again. So the idea is that, like, that these these people deserve to have their voices heard. These yeah. stories are are voices that we're choosing to raise up. That um, that are are people who who the the narrator per se is. Um, going to make famous again is going to to bring back to the world even though they've left it mm -hmm. uh, and, and speaking of form like i'm also all over poetry like if somebody would like to do their piece in verse i think that's awesome because we're talking about a poem mm -hmm. and we're pulling from a poem and I've, you don't have to most people won't but you know, I'm a poetry nerd, so I would be definitely cool with that being used. Yeah, it actually, you know, again, now I'm, I'm throwing ideas out. Like, it would actually be interesting to have, uh, instead of like a, a straight like narrative story or even like narration done in in a, in some kind of poetic form, but literally just to write a poem that could be broken up amongst eight pages, and then those eight pages would be less of structured panels and more of like maybe just big beautiful splash art pages or something like that that tells this story uh, that goes along with the poem, but it's more poetic and artistic than than just a straight panel to panel story. Uh, 
So just throwing ideas out there. I don't know if anybody's interested, but <laughs> take them. They're free. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump forward now to uh, specifically what kind of advice do you have for people who are looking to, this is the crux of this episode. What advice do you have specifically for people who are looking to submit, whether it be stories or artwork? Like what do you advise that they do to get on your good side besides sending you money and candy? which I think you can do as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure they can't. Um, <laughs> if they're really dedicated, I mean, they'll find out I mean, where I'll, you live. I'll take, I'll take uh, the bullet from Enrica. If she wants to tell people that they can send me money, I, I won't be rude about it. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be rude if you wanted to send me money. <laughs> My parents raised me better than that. <laughs> um, no, I think... Uh, Clarity and and um, clarity of purpose and gosh, it's so petty to say ingenuity. That's lame. Obviously, it's going to be these ideas. But I, I, I mean, just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Trust yourself to know what you want to say, and don't beat around the bush. Uh, don't break twigs off the bush just in case. Because <laughs> it'll um, start screaming and then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but but trust yourself and and trust your understanding of the material and um, put as much of yourself into it as you can. Not literally, you know, don't, don't make yourself the center because that's a really lame conceit. Don't, don't send but, you manuscripts uh, written in blood because that would be very appropriate for a book about hell. I like the uh, that that bit of advice because um I've told people about and over the years I've told people about pitches and, and sometimes they get a little like they're excited about the idea and then they hear about what the topic is or what the theme is and then they get a little like oh well I've never read that or I don't know anything about that but <clears throat> ultimately and this is good not just for this project but for pretty much any project is uh always submit like you know if you got to do a little research jump on wikipedia and read the synopsis and see what you pop up like worst case scenario they're just going to pass on your thing but at least you took the chance because there's there's a if they send you a story uh specifically a story because that's like artwork is just sending you a, a, a portfolio and you either it either fits or it doesn't um but uh, with story-wise, where you're coming up with ideas specifically for this, um, you you should just do the best you can, take a stab at it, because if they send you a story, there's a 50-50 chance that they'll get accepted into the book. But if they don't send you a story, there's a 100% chance that they won't. So why not take the risk and deal with maybe a little bit of disappointment, but it prepares you to do the next thing. Um, now, uh, so so, uh, is there anything specifically uh, art-wise that you would say uh, for anybody? Is there specific styles that you'd like to look into, or? Um, I'm I'm wide open for artwork. I mean, I have I have my preferences, mm-hmm. but I honestly, I I know what I like when I see it. I know that's not helpful to anybody at all, but I have seen as portfolios have come in, I've seen a lot of stuff uh, from, from people who, who say that they, you know, are, are used to doing dark work are used to doing horror and it's wonderful and it's amazing. And then I, I'll see things that probably wouldn't 
fit into that genre at all in a traditional sense that are also wonderful and amazing and that I can easily envision being in the book. Um, so with art, uh, when, when people are submitting for panel art and not for like interstitial art recovers, um, when people are submitting for panel art, the, the number one thing to remember is, is it's like casting a show. It's, mm-hmm. you know, casting a play that it's not about what's good. It's about what fits. I think uh, you hear, oh, it's a book about hell uh, that you'd essentially just be looking for, like, you know, heavy metal cover art. But, uh, you know, essentially it's, it's you know, open to everything because it's, yeah. it's ultimately it's whatever. You don't know what stories are going to be there. So you don't know if your your particular style uh, or skill set will be perfect for a story that uh, may not sound like Dio uh, lyrics. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Could I get Dio to submit a story oh, he, about from, from hell? <laughs> he, he might, but I think he's a little busy uh, being the most popular guy there. Um, that's true yes for for those submitting for frame narratives i would not be opposed to <laughs> dio being your virgil <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great and he'd be he's, he dresses perfect for it with his his fancy shirts and all that it's <laughs> that would be too perfect um all right enrica says that she wants you to uh to lay out the uh essentially the calendar for submission um and and what the process is uh for submitting so how does that actually work when when are we when's the cutoff and uh and then what 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 kind of special hell do we have in store for the people who get accepted <laughs> um well the open call runs through the 15th mm-hmm. i'll be looking at the submission, the actual pitches as they come in, um, but probably not making any final decisions until uh, until two weeks after that, because whoever okay. uh, whoever sends in a query on the fifteenth of February gets two weeks to send their pitch in. Okay. Um, with with the structure of this book, um, because it's very specific. That, that people are pitching for certain levels of hell. Um, I, it, it's unlikely that I will make final decisions until a little bit later on because I want to know what... Um, I, I, might, I might ask people to... If, if there's two great pitches for level two and no great pitches for level three, I might ask a writer to see what they might come up with for level three because I like what they've submitted for level two so much you know Uh, so because we do have to fill all of the levels uh it'll it'll take a little bit longer from my perspective to make those those final decisions um just so everybody knows uh the the nine circles of hell are limbo lust gluttony greed wrath heresy violence fraud treachery uh and yeah and then of course the the frame narrative so that's 10 stories all together uh yes and um and if someone wants to uh, pitch something specifically about Satan himself as well, that could be an 11th story. Certainly yes. So time frame, <laughs> is, time frame is queries are due up until February 15th. Uh, and if your query is accepted, then your pitch is uh, due up to what is two weeks after February 15th is... I don't know, mid-February. Uh, February 28th. Yeah, 28th. Or March 1st, technically, yeah. Basically, you have until the end of February to give your your full pitch. And then uh, around March, April will be 
you know, most likely probably before April, you're pretty fast. Uh, people yeah, will, I'm hoping, yeah, within March, final yeah, decisions will be made. The final decisions on who's accepted, and then uh, then those who are accepted into hell will have a month to write their story um, back and forth with you to make sure it's just spanky perfect. And then uh, artists are assigned. Artists have three months to work their artistic magic, uh, and the book is planned to be released in time for New York Comic Con in October. That's right, New York <laughs> Comic Con in October 2019. Premiere of What Fresh Hell Is This? A comic anthology. Yep, that's do, our radio pitch. Did we do good? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I think, <laughs> I think we've hit all of our, our points here. Is there anything else that you feel is important to convey to people? Um, just that I uh, will be as open to questions as possible. Um, I, I will respond as quickly as I can to emails. I hope that this podcast has proven useful, but I want people to feel free to reach out to me um, as, as they need. Uh, for clarification or questions. All right. Well, hopefully it has been helpful. If it is, it's the first time anything I've done has been helpful. But uh, I think it has been. You've been a delight to speak to. Um, I think we've covered all the ground pretty well. I, I wouldn't think anybody would have any further questions. I mean, you know, we, I babbled <laughs> off a ton of ridiculous concepts to at least. So it's like if you can come up with an idea that's not as dumb as anything that I said on this podcast, I think you're golden. Um, and then just do all the things that Genevieve said. And... Uh, that is What Fresh Hell Is This uh, from Red Stylo Media. Go to redstylo.com uh, and you can find uh, all the information and the, uh, the, the form to submit your query. Uh, and, uh, and Genevieve will get back to you and uh, you can join this book. So uh, I guess on that note, we'll uh, hashtag see you in hell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing all the great stories and artwork coming in from everybody. And, uh, you know... Uh, we look forward to seeing this book all finished. So good luck, Genevieve. Enjoy thank you very your trip much. to hell. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. And thanks. thank you, everyone who's listening. Yep, thank, thank you, you to everyone who is uh, querying and, and uh, sending in pitches. I'm super excited to get moving. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Making Artwork Podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Making Artwork podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at MAWP underscore cast, MOP cast on Twitter, uh, or you could find us and follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can also just simply subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast app you happen to be listening to it on so you'll know when new episodes are available. As I said in the previous episode, we will we are planning on putting out an episode every two weeks, so make sure you check back here in two weeks for whatever we have in store for you next. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.